0: All right, let's look to the Bible and open it up. We are in our series, Gospel Pathway Learning to Walk in Newness of Life, because we don't just want to understand the gospel, although we need to understand the gospel. And sometimes you've grown up in church and you may assume you understand the gospel, but you're really not getting it. So we have to understand the gospel, but more than or beyond just understanding the gospel, we want to live the gospel. We want to apply it to everyday life, and we want to walk in newness of life, which is promised in Scripture. And sometimes, even though we are active church members, maybe we don't know or understand how to pursue this newness of life uh, that the Bible calls us to. So how are you doing in that? How are you doing in walking in newness of life? You're a new creation. How's it working out? Well, let let me pose the question this way. Would you say that you are frustrated with a lack of growth in your Christian life? Like, you've been following Jesus this long. You think, I should should be more loving by now. I should be more patient by now. I should have more self-control by now. I should be more godly at this point. How many of you would say you're frustrated with your own spiritual growth? Okay, how about this? Raise your hand if you're not frustrated with your spiritual growth. Everybody. There we go, right? Um, How about this? Raise your hand if you're frustrated with your spouse's spiritual growth. Should we go that round. (laughs) Like, we, we, we want to see it in our kids. We want to see it in our spouse, the people we love, the people we care about. Because part of loving somebody is like, this is good. I want, I want you to experience God, and I want God to change and grow you. It's part of what it means to love somebody. And we benefit from other people's spiritual growth and their fruit, right? And people benefit from it. It's good for our society. Um, and we're told, hey, change is a part of this thing. You're going to be a new creation in Christ. Like God is going to take up residence in your life. He's going to put you, his spirit in you, and he's going to produce the fruit of his spirit in you, and he's going to transform you or conform you to the image of his son. Like that's part of the thing that we're promised in Christianity. Well, how does that change happen? And maybe you've never thought to ask that question because it's just assumed that change does happen. It's part of, part of the deal. But have you ever thought to ask, how does that change happen? How 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 does that kind of change happen? And just to call it change, maybe cheaping it a little bit, because everybody changes. Like change is a part of life as you grow up and you mature. Like everybody changes. You go through different things and it changes you or it grows you. We're not talking about just change in a way that everybody experiences change. I'm talking about spirit empowered transformation. How does that happen? How does spirit empowered transformation happen? How does, how does that kind of come about in our lives? And how many of you would want that, right? You want that for yourself. You want that for your kids. You want that for your, your spouse, your coworkers. It's a good thing. It's a good for our society. Well, we need to better understand how it happens in order to better pursue it. And church, I just want to say this is we need this. And it's not just turning on the news and looking at our world and say, our world needs this. No, you need this. I need this. We as a church need this. Like we need the power of God to transform us from the inside out. We need to better understand how that works. And if we better understand how that works, we can more passionately pursue it. So our kind of anchor text today is going to be in Galatians chapter 5. We'll, we'll jump to some other passages, but um, that's going to be our main place. So, so turn to your Bibles in Galatians chapter 5. Passages, if you've been around church world for long enough, you're probably familiar with. Um, but we're going to be in verses 16 through 25. You guys Ready? All right, let's go to work. Verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you, ought, you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Like, you get it. I could go on, but you get it. You're like, you know what the flesh longs for. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is not befitting of a Christian. That's what he's saying. This doesn't describe a follower of God, but, but this does. Let me describe to you a follower of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And when we read those passages, we we get informed or we learn some stuff about Christian transformation. One, it's inevitable. Uh, It's it's the fruit of the Spirit. Not not your fruit, but the the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God. And if you have the Spirit of God, then you're going to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. it's inevitable. And he mixes his metaphors here. You would think he would say fruit of the Spirit and the weeds of the flesh. Like, let's stay farming. Like, let's just stay in there. But he mixes his metaphors. He says it's the fruit of the Spirit, but it's the works of flesh. Because the fruit of the Spirit, that's something the Spirit does. That's something God does in you. But the works, the flesh, that's something you do. But there's a confident expectation that if you're a believer, this fruit is going to be produced in you. There's an inevitability to Christian growth. If you're a Christian, you have the Spirit. And if you have the Spirit, you're going to produce fruit of the Spirit. We also see that it's internal. Like the type of change that Paul's talking about here is inward kind of character, heart issue change. Like love and peace and patience and joy and kindness and gentleness, that kind of stuff. It's not like the fruit of the Spirit is, you're going to be taller, you're going to lose weight. You're going to get the job. Like, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. He's saying this is internal kind of change. And it's a unique kind of internal change. Now, I want to point something out here that sometimes we can miss or, or fly by. But uh, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Singular. And we miss that because there's like nine of them, so we kind of separate them out. We feel like, well, I'm pretty good at uh, love, but I don't have much self-control. or I'm good at self-control, but I don't know. We just kind of divide them out. But it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit, like singular, like all of this together is, is the flavor that he's describing. As if you took, uh, think about it, like taking one bite of something, and there's a lot of different flavors that you would use to describe. So you take a bite of ribs, right? Just distracted. Why did that jump into my mind? I don't know. <laughs> Right, you can be like, oh, it's hot, it's moist, um, it, it's sweet, it's a little spicy. Like, you can describe a lot of different flavors too. Like, if you take a bite of a Christian, which we don't recommend, um, <laughs> don't do that. But if you would take a bite, the, the flavor of a follower of Jesus, you're going to get some love and patience and kindness and gentleness and self control Like, he's describing the singular flavor. Like, all of these are working together, they're, they're not separated, they're, they're, they're a unique thing. Now, let's, let's be honest. A lot of non-Christians are loving and patient and kind and have self-control. In fact, some of you may be thinking, yeah, my non-Christian friends are more loving than my Christian friends. Now, you may be working off a secular definition of love, so that could be a problem. Or you just got some really bad Christian friends. Or your friends say they're Christian and they're not. But we're going to see love as part or through the Spirit that this should be produced in you. Now, now it's not unique to the Christian in that sense when you take each of these individualistic characteristics uh, and apply it to life. like You can see this in unbelievers' lives. But what Paul's talking about is all of these things connected to one another. This kind of unique flavor, uh, when these traits are interconnected, they are supporting and leading to each other, and they're coming from the same source working together so Paul's not talking about the fruits of the spirit it's the fruit of the spirit Uh, like when you have these flavors interconnected together that's what he's talking a Christian should taste like so for example you could have somebody that would have um, a lot of peace like whatever situation they go through whatever trial just like they just seem to be steady nothing bothers them they're just always at peace but maybe that peace is because they just don't care like, why isn't that bothering you? I don't care. Why are you at peace going through this? I just really don't care. But that's not the flavor that Paul's talking about here. That, that tastes different than having peace because of you having joy knowing that God is in control and he'll work all things to the good of his glory. That, that tastes different. Like a, a, a peace that comes from the joy of the Lord and those things are interconnected. Or, or think of it like this. You could have somebody who's just super gentle. Like, they never come across judgmental to anybody. They're just so like gentle with other people. Um, But what if that gentleness is because of gentleness with others is because they themselves have no self-control? Like I don't have my I don't have standards for my life, so I'm not gonna judge you. Hey, live and let live, right? That's that's the source of their gentleness. That that tastes different. That's a different flavor than what Paul's talking about here. That's different than having gentleness. Um, because you also have peace because you know about God's forgiveness. And God's forgiveness is greater. His grace is greater than your sin. That's a different flavor. Or you could have somebody who has a lot of self-control, right? Never misses a workout, never eats bad food, never late to work. They're just self-control. Well, self-control coming from pride or the fear of failure is a different flavor, than having self-control because it's coming out of the joy of the Lord where you're not looking for other things to satisfy you because you're content in Jesus. That's a different flavor. And Paul's talking about this unique flavor of the fruit, singular, of the spirit in your life. Those things support each other. So so Christian transformation is internal. But it's not just becoming good at one of these things or isolating. There's a unique flavor to these things connected. And they support each other. So, So it's inevitable. Like if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, you're gonna produce fruit of the Spirit. It's internal, like it's characteristics like love and joy and peace, but but it's unique flavor of those things complementing each other and supporting each other. And the other thing we see about Christian transformation here is that it's gradual. Like you look at the illustration that he uses of agriculture, literally growing fruit. You're saying, hey, this doesn't happen overnight. This this takes time this is something that that is going to happen gradually um, now how many of you garden in here you know anything fruit trees my wife loves to garden we have a garden in the back we got some fruit trees um, we have a peach tree i love i said anything you plant if it can lead to dessert it's a good thing let's grow that <laughs> um that's that's what, that's our guidelines for gardening. But she gardens. We love the garden. Never once has anybody in here ever in their sin like, hey, it's a beautiful night. Let's go out and just sit and watch our vegetables grow. <laughs> you can't do it, right? You, you can't you can't see something grow. You 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 can't you can't see it. Although you can measure it, right? Our peach tree. I love to go out and I look at it. I kind of check up on it, like the peaches. I can't like stare and watch the peaches grow. And it's not like the peach tree is like, okay, they're inside. Grow now. Do it now. And then you come out like, oh, it's bigger. Like, it tricked me. No, it's growing. It's just growing so slowly, like to the human eye, I can't pick up on it. I can't see it, but I can measure it. Right? I can go out the next day and I go, oh, it's a little bit bigger. Like, next week, it seems to be getting bigger, but I can't watch it grow. You can't see it, but you can measure it. And when it comes to us, there are going to be situations like, am I, am I growing in love? Am I growing in patience? Do I have more self control? Like, I don't time will tell. Let's see what it's like next year or in five years. Like, time will tell. Like, you can't, you can't see it, but you can, you can measure it. You can't see it, but then all of a sudden you can see it. You with me? Like, like you can't see it, but then you can see it. It's like it, something happens. You're like, boy, if that happened to you two years ago, oh, you would have flown off the handle. You would have just lost it. Like, but the way that you dealt with that, the patience that you showed, the kindness and gentleness, where did that come from? God. His spirit in you, like transforming you from the inside out. Like, it's, it's gradual. Like, you can't see it, but, but then you can see it. And the fact that Paul's using the fruit as an illustration for our spiritual growth um, shows that there's seasons to it. Sometimes you'll look at it and be like the tree. It looks dormant, but it's alive and it's coming. Springtime's coming. Or spring's here, and it's just not much there, but it's growing. There's seasons to it. It's slow. It's gradual. But this illustration also is really helpful in helping us understand what are we to do to pursue spirit-empowered transformation in our life? What are we to do as followers of Jesus to pursue that kind of spiritual transformation in our lives? Because nobody in here can make an apple. That's beyond our pay grade, right? You can make apple pie. You can make apple cider. You can make apple cobbler, right? You can, do, like, you can do something with an apple, but nobody in here can make an apple. Beyond our pay grade, you can dig a hole. You can plant a plant. You can water. You can fertilize. You can weed. You can cultivate, right? And no, no, nobody in here can muster up in our own ability godliness, It's beyond our pay grade. Like, we can't create, I'm going to be more patient. You know, we can't, like, squeeze it out. You can't, like, just force gentleness. You can't, like, grow that. So you can dig a hole. You can plant a tree. You can water. You can cultivate. And we can cultivate a heart and a mind for the Spirit of God to bear much fruit. How do we do that? How do we do that? Look look back at um, the beginning, the first and last verse that we read in this verse 16 he says but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh and then verse 25 he says this if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit these are commands these are commands for us to take action for us to do something they're commands for us to do something that is connected to fruit producing you don't produce the fruit whose fruit is it it's the fruit of what right it's not like the fruit of Bill it's the fruit of the spirit right? It's like, I've tasted the fruit of Bill. Not good. You want the fruit of the spirit, right? It's the fruit of the spirit. Is Bill here? I don't even know. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. It's just the name that jumped in mind, right? But you want the fruit of the spirit. It's the spirit's work. Yet there's a command for action given here that's connected to our fruit producing. So you can't produce this fruit, but yet we're commanded to do something. So it's the spirit's fruit. Walk by the spirit. It's the spirit's fruit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Like there's a command to action that's connected to our fruit producing. Because listen, the fruit of the Spirit, if you're a believer, it's inevitable. If you're a Christian, then you have the Spirit. And if you have the Spirit, you're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's inevitable. But listen, that doesn't mean that there isn't anything we can do to influence the size of our crop. You with me? That doesn't mean there's nothing that we can do to influence the size of our crop. Like look at the first couple verses in our section. It says, but I walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And that word for desire means like to lust. The the flesh has lust. And the spirit has lust. These strong desires. The flesh. We know what the flesh desires. Self-centeredness, sinfulness, things. It has this longing, these desires for this. But notice the spirit has desires too. Like, well, what does the spirit desire? If we know what the flesh desires, and it leads to all kinds of problems, and we have kind of the cravings for this, what's the spirit desire? God. The things of God. The glory of God. Like, the spirit in us has desires. And there's some cartoon theology going on here. If you, like, think of the, the angel on one shoulder and the demon on the other shoulder telling you the different things to do. It's not that, but you have your flesh that has sinful desires. And if you're a Christian. You have the spirit of God. That has spiritual desires. And maybe you've experienced that war. Of them at odds. Like two genuine desires. pulling in different directions. I, I, I desire this and I shouldn't. Why do I want that? But I also desire this and I should. And it's kind of this waging war. And notice it's not desires and obligations. It's desires and desires. If you just desire something you know you shouldn't want, but you just feel obligated to something you should want, that's not Christianity. Christianity is, no, the Spirit of God has has been placed inside of you, giving you a new heart with new desires, good desires. And those desires are at war. And you can have two genuinely opposing desires. I truly desire to want to lose weight. And I truly desire to want to eat that whole pizza by myself. All right? Those exist. You kind of feel that tug of war the spirit has desires too and to walk by the spirit is to comply with the spirit's desires over the flesh's desires listen to me now to walk by the spirit is to comply with the spirit's desires over the flesh's desires and to do that we have to turn up the volume of the spirit's desires like the spirit's desires got to be louder in our life louder in our mind We've got to feed that one. To do that, we have to cultivate a heart and a mind where the Spirit thrives. Like our heart and mind has to be good soil for the Spirit to produce fruit. Like, well, how does that happen, right? Well, here's how Paul puts it in Romans 5 and 6. This is chapter 8. He says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their what? Minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their what? Minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Don't underestimate the life of your mind when it comes to your holiness. He's saying, what you think about matters. you got like waging war of desires within you. And how you use your thought life or your mind matter. He's saying, listen, if you kind of set your mind on the desires of the flesh... Like That's what you think about. That's what you dwell on. That's what you entertain yourself with. That's like digging a hole and planting a plant and watering that plant that's going to produce the works of the flesh. But if you set your mind on the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, the things that please God, that's like digging a hole and planting a plant and watering that plant that's going to grow up and produce the fruit of the Spirit. But your, the life of your mind matters. Like Listen, if your fighting of sin is all about the sin then your mind is still on the flesh. Your mind is still on the flesh. We still make not sinning all about sin, right? Don't drink, don't drink. I'm going there, I'm going to hang with some buddies, but I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink. Don't, just don't drink. They're going to have a drink, that drink looks good, but I'm not going to drink, I don't want to drink. Just don't drink, right? You're just consumed with drinking, right? I'm going home. We, we kind of had a tiff in the morning. I know we're going to have a conversation or, or a fight when we get home. Just don't, don't say anything. Like, just pointed, Don't have be a sharp tongue. Uh, don't get angry. Don't lose my temper. I'm just not going to lose my temper. Don't lose my temper. Just don't get angry. All you're thinking about is not being angry. You get home, and what happens? You get angry. Like, it's just consuming. Our thought life is still about avoiding the sin. But you want to know how to not gratify or carry out the desires of the flesh? Walk by the spirit. Set your mind on the things of the spirit. Listen, guys, there is, there is a big difference. There is a big difference between just trying not to sin and cultivating a mind where the fruit of the sin or the fruit of the spirit will grow. There's a big difference, and too many people are just trying not to sin. But that's different than cultivating a heart and a mind where the, the fruit of the spirit thrive in your life. And you want to know how not to gratify the flesh? Walk in the Spirit. Or, or later in the chapter, he says that you crucify the flesh and its passions and desires. Why do you do that? Like setting your mind on the Spirit, to walking in the Spirit. It's suffocating it. That's what it is. You're, you're going you're to starve or you're going to suffocate the flesh because you're not going to feed it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to give it attention. I'm going to give my attention and my thoughts and my desires to the Spirit. And in doing that, I will suffocate the desires of the flesh. Or as Paul puts it, crucify. Which is interesting. The way that you would die in crucifixion is suffocation. Because you can't hold yourself up there. So you go down and you can't get air. He's saying, do that to the desires of the flesh. Don't give it any air. Don't give it any thoughts. Don't feed it attention. Don't entertain yourself with it. That you don't want to carry it out. with well, then walk in the Spirit. And if you walk in the Spirit, then you'll suffocate the desires of the flesh. You need to know how to fight. You know how to fight. So you go back to our, our passage in Galatians. Paul's telling us to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. This is all describing like active, ongoing interaction with the Spirit. Like it's, a, it's an ongoing interaction with the Spirit that leads to Change. You want the Spirit to produce fruit in your life? Well, then walk with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Or the way John describes it in his gospel in John 15, is hey, you want to know how to produce fruit? Abide in me. Stay connected to me. Abide just means like stay connected, like lock in here. Stay stay with me. And that's how you're going to produce much fruit. That's how you're going to see a harvest of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Like stay locked in here. So you, you you can put it this way you're a note taker, Christian transformation happens gradually by the spirit of God in an active relationship with God. Christian transformation happens gradually by the spirit of God in an active relationship with God. Now, if you're a really anal note taker, I'm just going to tell you, we're going to modify that in a bit. Right? But that's, the, that's our foundation. Let's build from there. The, the Christian transformation happens gradually by the spirit of God in an active relationship with God. Well, how do you do that? that sounds like great church language, but what what does that mean for me Monday? How how do we apply this to really pursue spirit-empowered transformation in our life? How do we practically interact with the spirit of God in an active relationship with God to experience the power of God to change us? Where does that come from? But well, one of the things that's how you kind of uh, take this principle and span out in Scripture and be like, there's another spot where Paul is concerned about someone's godliness, a kind of a younger apprentice of his, Timothy. And he writes to him to challenge him and his godliness. And he puts the same principle in a different way. But he says this, 1 Timothy 4, 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, so you get this contrast again. Like, don't give in to the flesh, but give into the spirit. You say, don't, don't give in to irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Godliness is something you train for. It's something you train for. just like growing fruit or the fruit of the Spirit. It's something you've got to cultivate. You can't do it, but you can cultivate a ground for it. If you want to be godly, it's something God does in you, but you can train for it. There's, There's a different metaphor but the same principle. Basically, pursue God to be changed by God. You need to pursue God to be changed by God. But when it comes to change, I think often Christians genuinely try. I tr- I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying not to drink so much, I'm trying not to yell at my spouse like that, I'm, I'm trying to not to look at that on the Internet, I'm trying to do a better job. I'm trying not to lose my temper, I'm trying to do that, I'm trying, I'm trying, but we're not training. And there's a difference between trying and training. There's a difference between trying and training. Think, think about this, trying is something that happens in the moment, training is something that happens before the moment, right? And and if I'm going to go home and have a fight with my wife, right? You're going to have an argument. I can try as hard as I can to be gentle with my words and kind and patient in that moment. But that is different than cultivating a heart where gentleness and peace and self-control is just part of who I am. Like preparing for that moment ahead of time. Right? there's a difference between trying and training. I've told you this before, like if there was a marathon today in Cedar Rapids, I could go out and I could try as hard as I can. It's not gonna go well. All right. Probably will go about three blocks. <laughs> but it's not an effort issue. And that's where I think a lot of us are frustrated. It's not an effort issue. I'm genuinely sick of this sin and I'm trying so hard to get over it. I'm trying so hard to change. It's your problem. You're just trying, but you're not training. If I want to run a marathon, i got to train for that. Like, i, I got to build up. Like, let's try to get around the block once, right? Let's kind of work up to that. If you're going to live a godly life and see victory over sin and spiritual transformation in your life, that's something you train for. Paul's telling Timothy, you've got to train for your godliness. Well, how do you do that? How do you train for godliness? Well, let's look at the very verse he says before he calls timothy to train this is verse six he says if you put these things before the brothers you'll be a good servant of christ jesus being what trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed it's the words of faith and good doctrine that are training you you're trained in the truth the word of God is what's training you. It's what's shaping you. In fact, Paul says it to Timothy different uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16. You're probably familiar with this passage. But he says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for what? Training, training in righteousness. That you're going to be trained by God through the word of God for the spirit of God to do the work in you, to produce his fruit in you. Or this is how Peter says, I want to say Peter, because this isn't a Paul thing. It's a God thing. So this is how Peter says it. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Again, he's calling us away from the flesh towards the spirit. You get that contrast again. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. Now maybe your translation just says pure spiritual milk. Um, maybe your says of the word. It's because milk in that context is referring to the word of God. So long for the pure spiritual milk of the word that by it you may grow up into salvation saying, this is is, going to grow. Just like a baby needs milk to grow, Christians need the word of God to grow. This is how you grow. Or just so you don't think it's just a New Testament thing, look over at uh, Psalm chapter one. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So again, you kind of have this contrast between pursuing flesh to pursuing the spirit or pursuing God. He says, rather than doing that and being that guy, don't be that guy, be this guy. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's in his word. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its what? Fruit in its season. You want to produce fruit? Dwell on the word of God. It's like being planted by by a stream of water. You're going to get watered. You're going to produce fruit in its season. So let's modify our big idea this way. Let's say it like this. Christian transformation happens gradually by the Spirit of God in an active relationship with God through the Word of God. You with me? Christian transformation happens gradually by the Spirit of God in an active relationship with God through the Word of God. And all of that is important, right? If you're saying, I- I'm, I'm in the Word of God, Right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the Word of God. I'm reading it. Uh, I'm, I'm active, like every day, every week. I got a rhythm to it, a frequent rhythm to it. But I don't see any change. I'm not experiencing any further spirit. Like, what's wrong? Well, it's been like four months. <laughs> Let's give it four years, okay? Or, or maybe it's like, no, it's been a decade. And I show up to church every week, and I serve in the nursery, and I give money, and I volunteer on Wednesday nights. And I don't feel like I'm growing at all. Because ne- you never open the word. <laughs> yeah, you're at church, but the only time you get the word is from us. You never read it, you're not, you're not in it. Right? Or maybe you feel like it's been a decade. And I, and I do read my Bible. But I'm not feeling like I'm growing at all. Yeah, because you read like once a month. Like, all of this is important for our spiritual growth. Christian transformation happens gradually by the Spirit of God in an active relationship with God through the Word of God. And notice how it says in in Psalm 1 that he meditates on day and night. Like, there's a frequency to it. There's a rhythm to it. There's a consistency to it. Or how Paul says in Galatians 5, and he calls us to keep in step with the Spirit. There's a pace to this. There's a rhythm to it. Because listen, we need to have frequent, ongoing reinforcement of the beautiful things of God from the word of God in our mind to cultivate the growth of the fruit of the spirit in our life. Frequent, ongoing interactions with God's word to feed God's spirit in us to produce the fruit of the spirit in us. It's how you train. It's how you cultivate for the spirit of God to grow you. You know, sometimes somebody w- will come into my office or I'll meet with an individual or a couple and they've they got an issue or they really want to talk about or like, just like, I'm drinking too much, you've got to help me stop drinking or, or we've got marriage or conflict, we can't communicate, would you h- help us out here? And, and in the conversation early on, I will usually ask, tell me about your Bible reading. And almost always it's pathetic. Um, or I get this look of like, what does that have to do with this? <laughs> To just, just help me drink less, right? Or, or, or just, just fix our communication problem here. Just, just speak into this. Like, like, what does that have to do with this? Like, well, if you understand how change happens, that has everything to do with this. Because you don't just have a communication problem. You have a gentleness problem. You have a self-control problem. Right? You don't want to shut up problem. You, know, you, don't, you have a kindness problem. It's like, well, where does that come from? That's the Spirit of God. That's the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And, and how does that get developed? Through the Word of God. To feed in the Spirit of God. To produce His fruit in you. Or sometimes you'll talk to somebody who's just frustrated with their lack of growth. I'm just like, I'm not growing. When you press in a little bit, like, tell me about your time in the Word. And it's just non-existent. Or, or very minimal. And you're like, maybe you don't understand how this works. Like, if you were trying to lose some weight and you had a personal trainer, you're like, I gained weight this week. Like, what's wrong? It's like, well, what'd you have for dinner this week? I had a couple pizzas and a bucket of ice cream and some Snickers. And nachos with the queso sauce. Extra queso sauce. It's like, did you work out? I, I meant to. I just, couldn't, I just couldn't do the gym. I was busy. Why are you confused then? Man? Like, I don't think it's rocket science. Like, I don't. You, know, you not get how this works? Or if you want to be a gardener, it's like I planted some things that they're not growing. Well, did you water it? <sighs> I wanted to. I've been crazy busy this week. <laughs> did you? Have you weeded at all? <laughs> that didn't sound fun. <laughs> maybe, maybe you don't get how this whole gardening thing works. And we laugh at those examples, but that's the case in the church. We're just so tangled up in our sin, failing on the same thing over and over again, tripping up. And you're frustrated. You're genuinely frustrated. And you're genuinely trying. You're just not training. You're not walking in the Spirit. You're not keeping in step with the Spirit. You're like, maybe you don't understand how this works. So let me try to get practical with you as one of your pastors. I'm going to try to be like your personal trainer for spiritual transformation. I know you look at my physique and you're like, I don't know if I want to listen to you. <laughs> um, but if I can just be like your, your personal trainer when it comes to like spirit-empowered transformation... Like if you had a before and after picture, you're gonna look the same. There's nothing I can do about that. Um, but you like the one on the right, so much more loving, so much more patient, so much more self-control, so much more joy. Like, how do you get there? I want to give you some principles for you to begin to train or pursue God in a way where God will change you. Because you don't change you. I just wanna be clear on that. You don't change you, God changes you. But you pursue God for God to change you. So so what do what do we do for that? How do how do we do that? Here's here's what the principles I want you to apply. You need a plan, you need patience, and you need partners. I'll start with P because I'm Baptist, and you can remember that. You need a plan, you need patience, and you need partners. Like you need you need a plan how you're going to regularly engage the Word of God. And I'm not talking about good intentions. You can leave here every Sunday with good intentions. Or I'm not talking about just general, uh, general desire to like, hey, I really need to read the Bible. Like, no, it's a it's a thick book. Like, where are you gonna start? Where are you gonna you're gonna go old testament, you're gonna go new testament, you're gonna go in the Psalms, you're gonna just read a chapter, you're gonna read through a book, like how, how are you gonna do this? Right? You're just gonna drop it and wherever it opens, like oh, I'll start there. It's better or nothing, but don't recommend it, right? Struggle with lust, drop it. Song of Solomon, not helpful, right? <laughs> What's your plan? Some of you that laugh know your Bible. Okay, (laughs) what's your plan though? When when Jesus or when, when Luke talked about some rhythms of Jesus, he would said he would often get up early in the morning and go to desolate places to pray. He's talking about often. There's a frequency to it. He's talking about a time of day, and he's talking about the location he went to. Some desolate places. Like that stuff matters. Or Jesus in the Sermon of Mount's like, you want to pray, go in your room and shut the door. Like, why does he draw so much attention to a location? It matters. Like, have a plan. Like, what are you gonna read? What, where are you gonna start in the Bible? If you need help, we got a Bible reading plan. But you need to have a plan. Where are you gonna do this? Is it gonna be in your room? Gonna be down in the living room on that chair. You're gonna be you gotta to go to the basement. You gotta to go to the garage. When is it? Is it gonna be in the morning? Is it gonna be in the night? You got a, a spot in the afternoon? Like, have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you're not going to execute it. Something's going to come up. You need to have a plan. Write it down. You need patience. We live in a fast food world, and we want results now, right? That little buffering button on the internet, you know, that just drives us nuts. I'd have to wait for the World Wide Web. It's crazy. We're impatient. We want results fast. We want it now. But Christian transformation takes time. It's agriculture. It's fruit producing. There's seasons to it. Don't get frustrated. Think years, not weeks. Think years, not weeks. Commit and stick with it. And you need partners. Just because the Spirit of God in you is the one producing the change doesn't mean that this isn't a community project, your sanctification. It doesn't make it private between you and God. Other people are a gift, the church, us, the group, the body of Christ is a gift for our sanctification. Proverbs 27, 17, right? As iron sharpens the iron, so one man sharpens another. Like You need each other for growth. We just got done going through the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 24. Consider, consider how you can spur one another on to love and good deeds. You need partners. You need partners. You need to include other people in your spiritual development. So do you have partners? The follow up question to that is Do they know about it? Or are you just like thinking of some people that are good friends and they happen to be Christians too? No, go tell them. Like, I'm counting on you for my holiness, I'm looking for you to help me grow. Tell them. So, you, you need a plan, you need patience, you need partners. But, guys, here's the good news spiritual transformation happens. The church is full of people who used to be. Oh, I used to be like that. I used to be all wrapped up in that. Oh, if you would have met me five years ago, oh, yeah, I'm totally different now. Like, that's the testimony of the church. God changes people. Like, you get that when you look at people, and there's people you know and you love, and you're like, oh, man, that dude is so far gone. Like, it would take a miracle for them to to change. Exactly. And God does that miracle. God puts his spirit in people and he changes people. It's the hope of the world. Like God really changes people. And church, we have to take our spiritual maturity, or our spiritual transformation a lot more serious. That we can't just be a group of people who love to get together on Sundays and sing some songs. But we're never in the word. And we're tripping over the same sin all the time. We're never seeing any growth. It's not what we're called to. We're called to be changed by the Spirit of God dwelling in us. So our dream is that we would be a group of changed people and changing people. That that the community around us would not only see the change in us, they would get a taste of the fruit the Spirit produces in us. And it would be to the glory of God and a testimony to His changing power. Amen? Let's pray. Father, apart from you, we can do nothing. And apart from you, we don't want to do anything. And we confess the waging war of desires in our heart. And we want the Spirit's desires to be a lot stronger than the flesh desires. We want to walk with the spirit. We want to keep in step with the spirit. We want to be changed by the spirit. We want to produce the fruit of the spirit. And it's not something we muster up on our own. Father, we confess a laziness. Not running to you as the the love provider, the patience giver, the joy giver. Seeing the transforming power that you offer. I pray that you would increase our hunger for you. That you would transform us from the inside out. And our changed lives would just point to your greatness. I pray this in your name. Amen.